Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Welcome back, Brendan. Thank you. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> I'm so <laughs> I uh I so we we recorded a bunch of episodes in advance. You recorded an episode with our good friend Will uh, while I was away in Japan for a couple of weeks. That episode was great, by the way. I had a good time. Oh, thank there, you. There, there was a lot of I hope we don't upset Brendan in that episode, which I thought yes. was very funny. You did not upset me. Okay, good. You did not upset me. I mean, all all you did was continue to say Brendan has different feelings about Fallout. <laughs> than we do which i was like yeah that is true i do i do have different feelings about fallout a close friend of mine once told me that i am incapable of throwing shade and that episode i think is <laughs> is evidence yeah i uh like in my head that was like a wwe promotion like <laughs> brendan thinks he knows a thing or two about fallout he's gonna be falling out of something soon <laughs> Oh my god. Oh yeah, I'm gonna throw him into New York. Forget Vegas. <laughs> this is far too clever for where my brain is at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh so we're we're recording this uh Yeah, what time is it in your head right now? I Steven, I don't know. Cause also <laughs> I got home and it's just been so dark and rainy and cold. Yeah. It has been like that in Chicago too. It was 90 plus degrees with 90% humidity in Japan the whole time I was there. Wow. And coming back to this and having it be like dark and cold and rainy. And also I'm jet lagged and don't know what time it is. Like I'm so I'm so out of the time space continuum at this point. We are recording at nighttime. But for all I know, it could it could be the middle of the day. I could still be in an airplane. (laughs) This is a very unrendered episode. It's a very unrendered episode. Yeah. So I think just to get that out of the way, I think I think this episode is going to be looser than usual it throws us off just as like 30 year old men to record afternoon you know <laughs> like this is this is hard mode this is maddening yeah, you know yeah we're usually like oh i didn't eat lunch yet this is gonna be crazy we were gonna record this last <laughs> night which i think would have been Fuck. Like, that would have been like wacky deli levels of <laughs> surreal you know last night i was impressed i was able to stay up until nine so <laughs> yeah actually speaking of that i'm gonna like jump scare cut to logistics real quick so sure yeah partially because of just like how we've been scheduling out this month um and also i hope it was a great trip by the way it seems like you had a lot of fun it was we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll we'll talk, talk more about, about that later yeah. yeah but just to touch on this real quick we have announced that our next bonus episode is going to be the uncharted trilogy a quick amendment to that we're still going to make an uncharted bonus very excited about it however that bonus is going to come out in november so you're going to get that a little later and we're going to include Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy in the mix. So the original idea was to do one one through three and then eventually do another episode for four and Lost Legacy. Now you're going to get it later, but it's going to be like a giant Uncharted episode, which yeah. I'm really excited for. A lot of conversations we've had just about like the Dreamcast recently and influence and like where PlayStation Studios is at. Like you can get such like a Epcot ride of history (laughs) of video games by playing the uncharted series you know like you can really get like a a spark notes of like here's just like a decade of game design you know right and especially you know seeing uncharted one through three and then uncharted four comes out post last of us and you can really feel that like Mm. i think having that all in one episode it's going to be really fun. So just a heads up, that's going to come out later. Uh, we appreciate your patience, but we will not definitely... delay it again to add the Jack and Daxter trilogy <laughs> and the Crash Bandicoot 
Quintilogy? How many Crash that Bandicoot just, games? That are just there? becomes such a Katamari of an episode. It's eventually a PS3 bonus. You know, yeah, like it yeah. just we gotta throw in Heavenly Sword. Uh we gotta throw in the weird uh PlayStation Move Wii Sports clone. The original Demon Souls. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just a heads up there. Uh <laughs> and something we've talked about kind of post hiatus, like what you know, we took a couple months off this summer and when we came back, we had like a lot of new exciting ideas for the show. And like a- every year we try to take on like a little bit more, do something a little bit differently. And I think one of our realizations about the bonus is, is that, you know, if it is a bigger episode, we'll give it the time it needs. You know, I I I would wager that most of you listening are not like every month, every month. Like if, if we have to skip a month to make sure that episode is like as good as it should be, we're gonna do that. So just a heads up. Uncharted will be in November. Yeah. That being said, we already have October's planned and we're already thinking about some fun things for early next year. So we'll announce that in due time. But I just want to give everyone a heads up about Uncharted. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. I was going to say we should we should announce what the October one is going to be. But let's let's do that when it's October. I think inquiring minds already know. Yeah. If you are if you're a, a true soul, a true <laughs> fan. Sorry. Uh, it's not Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> Just not to yet. be clear. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I think there there have been hints, but we'll announce that later because I'm seeing, I, I've seen so many apartments and like buildings in Chicago put up like graphic Halloween decor in like August. Yeah. And I'm sick of it. So I don't want to be that for the show. I don't want to <laughs> say the Halloween bonus on September 26th. So wait, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> announcement's done. Brendan, you're back. I want to hear all about what you've been playing. I want to hear about your trip. What have you got for me? Man, oh God, where do you even begin? It's so funny whenever people ask me how my trip has been, because usually it's in the context of like, I'm at the office with somebody or somebody has called me, you know, or something. And I'm like, I'm not going to keep this person on the phone for an hour or like, I'm not going to stand at this person's cubicle for 35 minutes. They just want like a sentence or two. I'm like, how do I succinctly say it was really good? And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. It was really good. All right, see ya. You know, but then I feel like I'm leaving out. so much stuff um i would i'll i'll say this uh i am fully re-energized in playing through the yakuza franchise now having returned i think one of the most shocking thing i don't know why i'm leading with this but i gotta start somewhere one yeah. of the most shocking things was uh we were staying in shinjuku and wandered into kabukicho which is the the area that the yakuza games have been faithfully recreating since the original and man do i know my way around that real life place because of those video games it was really bizarre it was really weird walking in there because i mean you go play like you know a a spider-man game you know with the full recreation of new york or something and they're still like truncating new york for the most part they're not like really recreating all of it um, even the most recently, even Marvel Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4 and uh, remaster for the PlayStation 5, like they're still like not including every single street in New York, Manhattan for that video game. Yeah. Uh, but because I think, as you and I've talked about a lot with the Yakuza games, because they're just trying to recreate like one like pretty specific area like of one district it's not even its own district it's like one area of one district it's like a couple block radius they've done a really miraculous job it's like the the same i didn't even know this a lot of the stores are the same like they didn't even make fake stores to go in the yakuza game like there's just the real store there's a store called don quixote on the corner everybody knows it if you play the yakuza game it's where you buy a whole bunch of stuff for a bunch of side quests that 
store is real and is on that corner and looks the same and has the same line outside it's like that's amazing so wild the theater district looks exactly the same there is the movie theater there uh and the wildest thing was on the last night we were in tokyo we stayed in kabukicho and i had this i was on like the 40 something floor just looking down and i was like this is what it looks like when you press the map button (laughs) in the (laughs) games it just looks like this that was pretty wild uh, but anyway, outside of that, I don't know. I, I did so much stuff. I'm just trying to think about like, what, what, what do I even bring up here? I, I I'll bring this up, I think, because I, I think I mentioned on the show, but I definitely talked to you about it, but I was like, I'm only going to bring my switch on the trip. Uh, I just, I wanted to pack light. I was like, do I bring my steam deck? Do I bring like a bunch of handheld emulators? Do I find a way to like play Xbox remote play so I can keep playing Starfield or something? Like, do I bring my backbone for my iPhone or something? I was like, I don't, I don't know what to bring. It's like, let me make it really simple for myself. I'll just bring the switch. But the, the thing with me and the switch is, and I've talked about this a lot. Like I just, I don't find it super comfortable to hold for long periods of time when playing yeah. in handheld mode. I like playing in handheld mode and I do it a lot, but I, I still find myself being like, man, I wish this was a little bit more comfortable. And I was looking at different ways of solving that problem for the trip. And I think the the one easiest solve would be to go buy the Hori Split Pad Pro, which really just looks so much like you just chopped an Xbox controller in half and then turned them into Joy-Cons, like just like super glued them to the side of your Switch. But that makes it so bulky. And I'm like, I'm trying to not pack like super heavily, you know, like that almost defeats the purpose of only bringing the Switch if I'm also like appending an Xbox controller to the Nintendo yeah. Switch. Um, and I was also looking into this other thing called uh, the the Cracked Nitro Deck, which uh, wasn't out yet at the time of me leaving for the trip. But I saw that they were like tweeting out to like influencers and YouTube people and like reviewers and, and media outlets like, hey, if you want to get hands on with this thing early, like we can ship one to you and you can do a review or something. And I was talking to them a little bit, but that that didn't pan out. They weren't going to be able to get uh, one to me in time uh, for the trip. But even still, like... That is taking your switch and turning it into the size of a Steam Deck. And I was like, I don't think that's going to be the thing for me either. So what I ended up doing, I found like a happy medium because uh, Hori, the makers of the Splitpad Pro, also make a thing called the Splitpad Compact, which really just is Joy-Cons, but a little bit bigger. I'm showing Steven on, oh, the, yeah. on the microphone. It's just Joy-Cons, but a little bit bigger. And then on the back, it just like is rounded. So it's just a little bit more ergonomic. And also has back buttons, which I haven't mapped to anything, but I'm thinking about it. But honestly, Steve, like I just I'm never going to take these things off ever again because I can, <laughs> I can still dock this on in the switch dock, which is nice. But this is just the most comfortable way of playing in handheld. I'm like, so I'm so surprised that it took me so long to just buy something like this. I think it, I think it accurately identified the problem, which is yeah. that the Joy-Cons are just too flat. So They're too flat. Like you're holding up like it's more taxing on your hand than you realize where yes. it could rest naturally in a position. It's more of the shape than the size. That's the issue. And I think the thing that I, you're totally right. And I think the thing that I, I noticed while playing, cause I did play a lot of switch. I mean, cause I was on an airplane for 14 hours there and back. So I played yeah. a lot of switch and there were a couple nights where I was like, okay, we're, we're back at home. There's nothing else to do. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go like have a wild night on the town tonight or whatever. So like, I'm just playing switch. There are a couple, there are a couple times where I, I was just sitting there playing it and I was like, man, like why didn't Nintendo do this? Like, <laughs> From 2017 (laughs) until 2023, Nintendo only released Joy-Cons that were just different colors. And that was like they they made this amazing. It's it's as if they released the Nintendo Wii and then didn't decide to attach anything fun to it. You know, like 
you know, yeah. the Guitar Hero controller where you put the Wiimote in there. There are all those people who are making like weird fishing rod extensions for for the for the, the Wiimote, steering wheel, like that. the steering wheel for Mario Kart, like all this like fun stuff. And they did that again on the Switch. Like the idea of the Joy-Con rails means that you can like convert this system into so many different things and at least get a little bit more interesting. And like, I'm glad that there are companies like Hori making stuff like this because it really fixes the one problem I have with the Joy-Cons. But I was just thinking like, why didn't they make a steering wheel or something silly? You know, like why didn't, why didn't they do the, the GameCube controllers or whatever that everybody seems to be making right now? You know, that just like essentially creates, you know, half of the, half of the GameCube controller. You could just slide those in as, as Joy-Cons. Like there's so much potential there. And I'm hoping as we're hearing more and more about what the Switch 2 like actually is, because that stuff is just leaking left and right, it seems like at this point. Like, I'm, I'm just kind of excited to see if they actually do it this time. Like, I just... Yeah. I just want them to take advantage of the cool thing that they made, which I feel like is the most, like, Nintendo fan thing to be asking. Like, please... Let me give you money for it's something like, cool. It's like the themes being white and black and there being a menu for themes yes. that has never been updated. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes, like what's what's going on there? It's so so concerning. I don't know why. I had the most cursed vision of it being like the Switch 3 and then they just announced like the Switch online library is announced and you could buy like authentic Joy-Cons that have the that nostalgic <laughs> drift you miss so much. <laughs> they just like charge you more for the same. <laughs> because <laughs> all, all the only accessories have been the old controllers yeah like for smash it was kind of exciting because it was like a recognition of what people want which is a rare thing nintendo does uh is it, having these gamekeeper modes with the with the smash logo on mm-hmm. that was amazing and i love the gamecube controller and it's cute that you can buy like the super nintendo and n64 controller for those libraries but it is like i don't know it, it, it's a that's it the thing they made is like a very kind of niche yeah and you have to be a nintendo online subscriber to be even eligible to purchase those things exactly (laughs) so you are you have to pay like a monthly fee to get (laughs) a a 64 controller (laughs) to play the like six games that are there i mean i shouldn't complain too much because again any game preservation is good but still it's it's not ideal. We we criticize it often for a reason. I just think it's funny, though, and I thought this when they announced them, too. Like, when they first announced the NES controller that you could get, I was like, why why are you announcing an NES controller when you could make Joy-Cons that look like an NES yeah, controller? right. Exactly. How would you split it N64 in half, though? That'd be a little cursed. Yeah, I don't know. I hate that controller. I've been vocal <laughs> about it. Yeah, I don't know how you would do that. I will say a plus of the uh, oh, literal plus of the Hori split pad compact that I have is that the the left Joy-Con just has a D-pad on it instead of the four buttons. Oh, yeah. And uh, man, is that nice for uh, some of the games I've been playing. Uh, Absolutely. Which, why don't I talk about it? I'll, I'll talk about some games. While we were while while we were gone, or while I was in Japan at least, there was a Nintendo Direct, uh, which had some wild stuff in it. I watched it yeah. because Japan has the best subway system, like, ever. <laughs> I watched it on the subway because they wow. just have internet in the subway. Of course they do. While U.S. subways have, like, an ad from 10 years ago, like, just yes. kind of <laughs> decaying on the wall. Are you excited yeah. for uh, Chronicle? <laughs> in theaters exactly. now <laughs> there's a 2008 like ad for a new invisalign technology <laughs> like, i'm already late why did i just see this yeah m- mostly invisalign um yeah they they announced a bunch of stuff uh i do i do i don't want to go through all the nintendo direct stuff i just want to shout out that uh, paper mario and the thousand year door remastered right? like did get announced amazing i can't i actually can't believe that yeah i i miss this direct entirely i don't know how i usually am on top of them but 
I missed this one and someone was like, are you freaking out? I'm like, uh, no, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw that. Uh, amazing. That's pretty fun. I, I think I will play that game again. Yeah. I'd like to have Switch. it on, on the Switch because I think I have it on Steam Deck and I think some of the timing stuff was a little bit difficult. I think having it on Switch would be better for that alone, basically. Yeah. There was a whole section of our bonus episode about that game that was specifically about the stuff we would want to see if they remastered it. And I'll be interested to see if they actually go through with any of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of question marks there so we'll see but the reason i'm bringing up the the nintendo direct is uh i think i think one of the things that people were like kind of bummed about when it was announced but it seems like they've kind of turned a turned a corner on is uh f099 yeah i think people were like okay you know monkey's paw curls we want a new f-zero game <laughs> and of course it's f-zero 99 instead which is i think now the third 99 game that nintendo has made but the fourth well, one on the switch uh i'm, I'm gonna just google it nintendo switch 99 games oh yeah okay yeah so so th this is the fourth 99 game the third one that nintendo has made which is which is fun and interesting but the thing about nintendo is that they keep just like shutting them off like the super mario brothers one and i think pac-man 99 are both gone maybe it's maybe it's uh -huh. not maybe pac-man's not gone i know the super mario brothers one it was super mario brothers 85 technically which was this, a great game the idea of playing a mario brothers level against 85 other people and like fucking their games up with the weird power-ups that you could get like that was a really fun idea anyway f-099 um really is just like taking the original f-zero for the super nintendo and turning it into like a battle royale game which uh i as a fan of f-zero was excited about when i heard about it because i was like that that's just a cool idea and i think yeah. if i know anything about nintendo which is very little <laughs> but if i know anything i think this is very much them kind of dipping their toe in the water to see how interested people actually are in f-zero as a yes. as a brand because i feel like mm -hmm. frequently you'll see these public outcries on the internet of like bring back f-zero bring back you know whatever fucking golden sun, golden sun whatever yeah Bring back the weird Wario GameCube game. Yeah, right. Like people will just like always shout out like the the long forgotten franchise that they miss. Right. And I think to me, this feels like a kind of I, I don't want to say low effort because it definitely is not low effort. They didn't go make a whole ass Nintendo Switch right. F-Zero game. But I think that this is kind of them testing the water and seeing how much of that online fervor for F-Zero is legit. Uh, and I'm hoping that people play this. I'm hoping that the F-Zero fans aren't so weird about receiving this game that they don't play it out of spite because it rocks like it's so good i've been playing so much of it so f-099 in the in the basis terms it is f-zero which if you haven't played it is just like nintendo's idea of a far 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 future racing game where like racing is super dangerous you're driving on these little tiny tracks uh if you hit the side of the wall like you have like a health meter if you hit the side of the wall you lose health if the car hits into another car, you lose health and your car can just like blow up and you lose the race. Like that's that's F-Zero. It's like super fast, faster than you can really even get a handle on for the most part. Uh, and it's super dangerous, really risky. Honestly, I think of all the Nintendo IP, it is the most Dreamcast in spirit. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I especially like the later entry of the game, the GameCube one. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that game is so good. I love that game. There are rumors that that's getting remastered also, which uh, honestly, I, I would love, love that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's also, I think, the hardest GameCube game to emulate, like technically, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So I, th I think that'd just be good to have on the Switch. Anyway, the idea of taking that game and adding 98 other real human online players to it, I think makes it, in my eyes, the best the best fit in terms of Nintendo IP and like a Battle Royale or a 99S game, because just 
dropping into a, a match the way it starts if you if you pick the like classic f099 game mode in the game is like you are at this long starting starting block and there are 98 other cars lined up at the starting block and it's a huge triangle that points towards the track so you and 98 other people are just waiting for the countdown and you're just like whacking into each other trying to be the first ones to like hit the boost go over the jump and when you hit this jump at the end of the starting block, you land on the track and then it's like, okay, now you're playing F-Zero. So you have this moment where you're like really trying to beat everybody to the front right at the start. But once you're in there, it's just like all hell breaks loose because you have the, you have very few buttons in the game. You have, you have the ability to hit L and R, which let you just kind of like slide to the left or the right to kind of like juke out of the way if like somebody's going to come at you. And then you also have the ability to press the, uh, the, the right trigger which spins your car around and kind of like an attack. So if you're surrounded by people, you can like hit all of them kind of out of the way and then you won't take any damage and they will. And, you know, you're just kind of like helping yourself out in that moment. And then you also have a boost and you have to watch your health meter. And man, like the the tracks aren't that much wider than they used to be. And they are just filling it with 99 race cars. So it just feels like an even more high anxiety version of the original F-Zero. And to me, it feels a lot like what we talked about with uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit on the Game Boy Advance, where it was like, oh, they just looked at the original Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart for the Super Nintendo and said, how do we make this a little bit better? And they did that on the Game Boy Advance. And that was great. And this to me feels like that again. It feels like you're looking at what makes a good F-Zero game and I think improving on it. I actually think that this in a lot of ways is better than a lot of the F-Zero games that I played, like the original at least and definitely the Game Boy Advance one, Maximum Velocity. I think this is like a much more interesting version of F-Zero. I think the idea of it being online and against other people is really fun. But I think in terms of just like capturing the spirit of F-Zero, like F-Zero is just so frenetic and scary. Yeah. And you're already worried about yourself when it's just 10 cars on the track. The idea of it being 99 is even more anxiety inducing. And what they do is as you're going around, there's four laps in a race or it might be three. I think it depends on the track. But as you're going around the laps, they have like a cutoff point. So it's like lap one. If you're not in the top 90 cars, you're gone. Like if you're in the last 10, like we just blow your car up, you're out. Next time it's like 70. Next time it's 60. Next time it's 50. And you need to like place in the top 50 to be able to finish the race at all and like successfully win. But on top of that, every time you start a race, they match you up against a bunch of like just rivals. They just pick a bunch of people who are like around your skill level or around your like grade. They give you a letter grade and they'll just match you up against those people. So you're like constantly keeping an eye out being like, I'm going to beat that fucker. Like I'm going to get that guy, you know, yeah. which is really fun just to kind of give you like a mid race thing to focus on. Also, it's not just like I'm trying to get in first because honestly, I have not made it into first place ever while playing this game. And I, I don't foresee that happening in the future <laughs> for me, uh, but I'm having a enough fun just trying to finish because i think that's kind of where the fun lies for me is like yeah that's where it's always lied in f-zero for me is like i'm, I'm never really trying to be number one i'm always just trying to make sure that i finish the race because it's so hard to do in some cases especially on the, the one that i really cut my teeth on is maximum velocity on the game boy advance that was that was my first game boy advance game it's the launch title for the game boy advance um and i loved it to death but even then it was like i'm just trying to win. i'm just trying to finish i'm not trying to win uh and i'm, I'm very much trying to do the same thing in f-zero 99 uh it's hey it's a free video game you can get if you have Nintendo online on your Nintendo Switch and it rocks. Uh, I think I think you should check it out. I think I think you would have fun. Yeah, I've been wanting to play it. I just I didn't get around to it, but that sounds amazing. I think you're I really like your read on how the game kind of breaks down like the objectives within a race. Like it's not just a singular I got to get first to win. Yeah. And that's something it's a unique problem. I think a lot of battle royale games have 
I think like a game like Fortnite or Apex Legends has a very distinct feeling right away Mm -hmm. and then in the middle and then in the very end, you know, and that can also change match to match. I think something you and I kind of bumped up against with Apex, one, we just never got that good at it. So there's that. (laughs) Uh, But two, it's like we would be enjoying it and then it would just sort of end and we would have to wait like 20 minutes to get into a new match. Mm -hmm. And you know, I never really cared about winning. I just wanted to keep playing, you know? Yeah. It's hard to put into words, but I think uh, having F-Zero 99 be like such a fast, quick way to approach Battle Royale and giving you constant like little objectives. So that way, even if you lose, you still feel like you gained something or you had a good time. Yeah. I honestly think the, the game I keep thinking of is Fall Guys, which I think has done something very similar, mm. you know, where I think one, I think it's important to have Battle Royales that aren't just also shooters. There is so much you can do within that place i feel like it's become less of like a i don't want to say fad but i feel like there was that like when we started the show it was like everywhere you looked there was a new battle royale right you know i think we're a little past that now because fortnite even fortnite is almost less of a battle royale these days yeah i was i was gonna say actually i think fortnite also takes a weirdly similar approach to f-zero 99 in that they give you a lot of objectives that you can complete that are unrelated to you coming in first exactly i think is yeah i think is very smart of them because the realization i think as you're bringing up like that apex hasn't made for example is like if you don't win then that's it you know like that's really all you're doing when you're playing apex legends you're just trying to win apex legends and at least Fortnite is like oh we're doing this uh fun thing where uh there's an indiana jones temple and you have to go like solve some puzzles in indiana jones and if you solve all those puzzles you get an indiana jones skin you can play as harrison ford in Fortnite from now on that's not that's not coming in first in Fortnite. that's doing a completely different thing which you're right i mean it's it's not as much a battle royale anymore at that point but at least you know both options exist for people totally and i think you're also right to say that like this structure of game is true to the spirit of the original f-zero yes which is awesome yeah Yeah, i definitely i definitely want to give it a shot that's the thing because i i feel i mean i enjoyed Super Mario Brothers 85. I enjoyed Tetris 99 for what I played of it. But even as much as I love Tetris, like I just it was a little bit overwhelming playing that game because, you know, you're playing Tetris in the middle of the screen and you see the 98 other people who are playing on the sides of the screens you're doing it. And you need to not only be playing Tetris, but like be unlocking all the attacks and stuff and defenses that you need to be using on other people. And you can like select what other people you're going to attack with those attacks. Like it's just too much. Just adds a little bit too much. Super Mario Brothers kind of in a similar vein was like okay we're taking like what is considered i think by most people to be alongside tetris i would say like one of the most refined like perfect exemplars of what game design can be like you're running from left to right and you're jumping over enemies and you're getting power-ups and you're just running and jumping for the most part you're trying to not die and even in that game like you're seeing the ghosts of the you know 84 other people who are playing that game and that also becomes a little bit overwhelming in a way that like detracts a little bit from what mario is i think pac-man 99 gets a little bit closer because i think i think pac-man is just a weirdly more malleable game and pac-man has gotten so weird over the years that like it doesn't feel that weird to do pac-man 99 i didn't play as much of that one as i would have liked but i'm also not like that huge of a pac-man fan that said it just feels so natural in f-zero like this of all of of those three it does feel like the best like it just feels like the best fit um and i can't i can't think of another nintendo property that i think would be a better fit than f-zero 99 and my big fear is that they're just going to axe it one day they're just going to turn it off you know like of course they are i mean even even if it's not soon because like the super mario Bros. 85 thing i think was for one year the whole idea was it's it's mario's 85th anniversary so for one year you get to play this game and they just got rid of it which is like (laughs) why would you do that 
even this game, like even if they're like, oh, it's a hit and people like it and whatever, eventually they're going to be like, well, we're ending services for Nintendo Switch online system and uh, that'll, that'll be it. No more, no more download. Just like they did with the 3DS, you know? No one really liked Mother 99, so we're just never <laughs> going to make another one. Yeah, they'll, they'll just axe it one day, eventually, yeah. and then we will never get to play it again. So I guess enjoy it while you can. Yeah, it, it, it does share that kind of grim fate of, like, streaming not to get too off track but like there's that whole you know uh netflix will will make a show and then just cancel it one day if it yeah. doesn't like become the hit they needed it to be and sometimes these services will just remove them entirely from their services that you right. just won't so even be able to no watch them exist yeah. yeah ever again which is terrifying but for now get on the track and win if you can f 99 is available now for Nintendo Switch. I wonder if like the minute that goes down, there's going to be like a exceptionally well-made fan clone of it. Like, name, you know what I mean? Like I just fucking, I just see that so clearly like, you know, uh, Racetrack 2000 or something comes yeah. out like the next day. Z-Hero 100. <laughs> see, that's really good. That, that's like a, hey, 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 crazy, you know, kind of yeah. radio announcer. That was amazing. I, wow. uh, I would hope, I would hope that that's the case because I mean, Nintendo is not going to support this forever definitely so yeah uh, if you if you're a person who likes to make games and you you want to smash hit <laughs> here's here's Here one. it is yeah Here, here's, one. here's uh, one yeah that's a it's a good video game i think maybe we take a break because we've been talking for a, a little bit and then we come back and we talk about more stuff that sounds good to me all right bye-bye see you soon ready yeah <sighs> and we're back <laughs> Got a bunch of games to talk about <laughs> on the show today. Uh-huh. <laughs> talk about video games. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like dancing around you as you try to regain consciousness. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just a Nelson haha yeah. in two hours. Okay. We're, we're back, baby. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> Man, how do we, how do you even uh, transition to this stuff? I will. Okay, wait. How about this? There was a conversation you and I were having uh, before we started recording the episode. Because um, I, I went to uh, Akihabara, which is like yeah the uh, the like tech district, the like used tech district of Tokyo, um, known for also having a bunch of like just really incredible used game stores. Oh yeah. Which uh, I went I went and visited a couple and picked up some stuff. Uh, mostly, mostly just some stuff that I thought would be like fun to have. Um, like I picked up a, a copy of, uh, mother one and two on the Game Boy Advance, which is a thing that just like never came out in the U S I just thought like, that seems like a big flex <laughs> to own that. Yeah. And also probably worth significantly more here Yeah, uh, probably. than, than there. Yeah. I, I picked that up. I picked up, uh, the, uh, uh an inbox copy. First of all, all of these games I'm about to mention are inbox copies of them, which is pretty wild. They had a, lo- a bunch of uh, Lucy's, <laughs> but, but I got a, I got boxes. <laughs> I got uh, the original Dragon Quest for the Amazing. NES, which is pretty wild. That's sitting sitting on my desk uh, at work. Right yeah, that now. that's like a, a, a actual relic in a good way. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like just a holy object. It's so yeah. cool. You you got me a couple of years ago. You got me this great metal slime uh, yes. for the holidays. And Do you I still have it. Yeah, I still have it. Uh, okay, it's, good. It's it's uh, out in the living room, uh, prominently displayed. And will will be forever. But I, while I was in Japan, I was looking desperately for Dragon Quest merch. And I really couldn't find any, which was weird. I, I thought yeah. it would be much easier to find. Um, and I went into uh, a store just kind of on a whim on my literal last couple hours in Tokyo before I needed to go to 
uh, the airport and found this one little corner of the store that just had like a couple Dragon Quest things. And most of them were just like keychains and like little like uh, hand towels and like not not a whole lot, you know. And then at the bottom, stuffed in the back was one box of uh the the metal slime that you got me but it's like the kind of melted one it's like a melted oh, like same fun. edition for so like the same yeah. like series of stuff that you got me like these really kind of high quality like stainless steel and they're heavy they have they're like really a, heavy yeah yeah uh so i got i got like a melty metal slime and i brought that one into work also so that's that's sitting next to my uh that's sitting next to my i think there's also a king a uh, metal king, king metal slime, slime. Yeah, yeah yeah which uh may, maybe i'll get one day but that probably is very expensive in real life probably yeah uh, Those things too, like I remember like actually gasping when I finally killed one and went up like 30 levels, yeah, you know? Yeah. Oh, it, fuck. They really add a lot of majesty. That That's a true king right there. That's a true king, baby. Uh, yeah. And the other game I got was um, Final Fantasy VI. Again, in box. I just, that was actually the first thing I walked into the store. There's this one really famous uh, store. I think it's more touristy than not, but uh, I mean, they have good stuff there, so... Yeah, if you're if you're a local, you should go here anyway. It's it's a good store. But anyway, yeah. I picked up a copy of Final Fantasy VI in the box. Like when I walked into this place it's called Super Potato, I walked into this place and I walked up to the the like Super Nintendo floor because they just have it, the floor seemed to be divided by like generation of consoles, which is wild. So I walked up to the like Super Nintendo era uh, and just walked into the into that section and just like above all of the loose copies of games, there was one inbox copy of a game and it was final fantasy six and it was just staring right at me and it was like twenty dollars or something and i was oh like all right sure uh, yeah twist my arm i guess and i picked it it's, up it's got beautiful box art i love the japanese that's box the thing art. and i haven't i haven't played it i haven't played this game but it just has some of the best box art ever and i just think it's so pretty so now it just sits on my desk at all times but anyway the reason the reason i'm bringing all of this up is uh you and i were talking before the show like I, we want to do a final fantasy 6 bonus one day and oh I, yeah like i think that i think that's a definite and i think what i've kind of realized about both final fantasy 6 and dragon Qu- or sorry final fantasy and dragon quest is i i love playing those games and i i, I want to see a lot more of them to completion but i think we need to schedule bonuses for them for me to do that like i think just because of the nature of the show like it's really hard to just play a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest in the background and like finish it. Yeah, it's like you get home from work and you're not going to be like, I want to put on, you know, uh, Citizen Kane before I go to bed. Yeah, or, you know, like you know what I mean. I know that's like a corny example, but it's like it is. It does require that like kind of dedicated mindset. Yes, which and, I think yeah. like if we weren't doing the podcast, it would maybe be easier to be like, well, Final Fantasy sure. Six is just the game I'm playing right now. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think I think uh, we just we just got to do it one day. I really want to play that game. So. We were talking a little bit about versions. This is my other big problem with Final Fantasy, uh, or at least like the the older ones, is like the the amount of versions of all of them that are available is so difficult. So like, yeah, right now the the one that I'm like chomping away at, uh, and by that I mean I'm like maybe an hour in, is the Game Boy Advance version, which you can patch to get the original music in. Yeah, just just to clarify what that means for people who don't know, so like the game the super nintendo port which was the original super famicom i guess you got the super famicom sure did copy of it originally released on the super nintendo super famicom Um, basically that's the original version of the game because it was in an era where you couldn't just update the game there are like a number of notable glitches my favorite being that the evasion stat does nothing um (laughs) so there's like one of the stats you see like whenever you get items it's just meaningless um a lot more stuff it doesn't really get in the way of the experience at all but the game boy advance version does fix all of that um and does like make some tweaks here and there but the big trade-off is that the music 
music is more condensed. And yeah. like, I think for that game, the soundtrack, every Final Fantasy, the soundtrack is important. But, you know, without voice acting, I think the music in those games does really direct the mood and the story. Yeah. So you do need that. I mean, I think it's similar. I mean, there is voice acting, but I think the the big moment I flipped on Dragon Quest XI was when I got the orchestral soundtrack. Mm. I think you just for Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy, the music is the director. You totally. know, it just it guides the whole thing. Yeah, and from what I know and from what you've told me, six is like it's never been more true than in six. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I love. I think the soundtrack of seven is my favorite just because of the variety. You know, you have the like country music in Chocobo Ranch and then yeah. you have like the kind of rush 80s like metal of the Genova theme. And then, of course, One Winged Angel. Like it's just like such a flex of composing. Yeah. But Final Fantasy VI's music, like it just it's one of those soundtracks that like awakens a nostalgia for an experience you didn't have, but mm. you think you might know. You know, it is it has that like. I didn't play six until like high school. Actually, it was during this is gross. I had swine flu in like 2009. Whoa. And I downloaded an emulator and played through Final Fantasy six. And not only was I sick, but it was like a shitty ROM that was like mistranslated. So like it was not even like an accurate experience. Wow. But I still loved it. And then later in college, I like got a copy for my Super Nintendo that I still have. And uh, the last time I played it was like right when I moved to Chicago and I played through the whole thing. Like I didn't know anyone here yet. I just arrived and I did the whole thing and it was amazing. Um, but that was, you know, almost 10 years ago. So I'm definitely due for a replay. Yeah. It's somewhere in there. There was also a PS1 version, which I think a lot of people just agree is not the right way. It's to okay. Play it. It's not, it's not like a, it's not like Chrono Trigger where it's like fundamentally the worst one. Yeah. And they do add some, they came like, packaged together though. Right. Wasn't that did, one of the yeah. things? Yeah. There was like, there were different names for it. Um, but there was Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy six. And then there was four and five. Um, the the PS1 port of four I enjoyed at the time, but I think there are better versions at this point. But yeah, the six one, they add some cutscenes, which is kind of funny because like it, it, it feels very George Lucas to be like, well, now technology in 99 is so great. Yeah, we have to like dust up this old relic with some like early 3D cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just, you know, jump cuts to the Super Nintendo style. But yeah, I think I think the Game Boy Advance uh, version with the original music is like the best of all worlds and then there's also the pixel remaster which like felt like such a weird fumble because i feel like the whole we've said this many times like the the pixel remasters of one through six they're all actually really good yeah but they were marketed in such a weird way and the pricing was really bizarre released in such a weird way yeah Yeah. and it all felt like it was building up to like here's the definitive version of six it reminds me so much of what has happened with the persona three remake where it's like, here's the thing you've been waiting for, but it's still not quite what you asked for. Uh, The pixel remaster of six came out and it, it didn't have any opening credits. The font was terrible, which you can mod in if you have it on steam, but like just stuff like that, where it's like, okay, this is like another kind of caveat filled version. What's nice though, is that if you get it on, if you get on PC, you can mod it and you know, make it whatever. But if you have it on steam, they did update the (laughs) whatever Steam. I can make it whatever I want. Make it whatever you want. You can make it Baldur's Gate 3. Wow. If you get it on steam, they updated the font and added back the opening credits, which sounds nitpicky but like there's like a 10 minute sequence in the opening of like tara and the i think it's biggs and wedge like in these mechs 
walking through the snow. It's such a cool opening, like very kind of Star Wars, like text crawl of opening yeah. credits and just not getting that. You're gonna be like, is the game like frozen? Like, what is this? Yeah, you know? when, when the uh, Pixel Remaster first came out, I got it on my iPhone and I started playing it and that and I it had that issue at the time. And I was like, what? why this? Why is this the same? <laughs> I, I have since gotten it on my Switch though, which I think you also have. And and from what I know, I think the Switch version added the, the new font in also as an option, which is nice. I think that might end up being the best way to play it, but you can't go wrong with the Game Boy Advance music patched one either. Yeah, yeah. I The thing, I'm just looking for, now that I'm commuting again, I'm like looking for a game to just kind of like chip away at out of, on a commute. And I thought it was gonna be Final Fantasy VI for a while, but the, the more of that I played on commutes, the more I was like, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if this is a game that I, I could just pick up and put down like that, you know? It's a pretty heavy game. I think it shares a lot in common with Dragon Quest XI actually, but mm-hmm. like much less whimsical. <laughs> like it definitely has, uh, I think I talked with Will about this where I think, you know, the roots of Final Fantasy, in my opinion, are sort of like the edgier Dragon Quest you know Mm. um and six really feels like simultaneously like a swan song for that era of like one through six yeah kind of classic medieval steampunk final fantasy always about crystals in some way um because then seven comes out and and dramatically transforms what the series is like going for but even then i think you can kind of like when we did that bonus about seven, like I think you can feel that like undercurrent of sadness in both games. Mm. Um, and yeah. I think they're they're both in many ways about like the death of a planet, you know, the death of like an, a setting. So I, I think there's a lot to talk about with six. And I think it is like a harder game. Like I definitely think it's one you can like chip away at in that same way, but maybe not during a commute. Maybe it's more yeah. like turn the lights off, have some hot soup or something and and play it. I think it's also a game that like, it's kind of funny to think about it now because, you know, the technology is so dated, but like that was at the time the big AAA game. It was meant to be seen on the big screen. And I mm-hmm. think that still is true. Like there is inherently a cinematic nature to the way that story is delivered, even though it's the Super Nintendo. Yeah. And I think it might actually not hit as hard if you have it on like a smaller screen handheld. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah, I think the Switch is going to be the place for me to play it probably when yeah, we, when I mean, we eventually decide to do that. Yeah. Uh, I will say a quick a quick aside, my, my new commute game is uh, Dragon Quest IV. I'm playing the mobile port of that, which uh, yeah. the mobile ports of Dragon Quest, just to shout them out in, in case you don't know about them, they're like pretty good. They're, uh, they're just mobile ports of the DS versions, so they're like slightly remastered. They have like the ability to swing the camera around in 3D, which is very funny. They're just like pretty good and they control really well i i actually find they control better on my iphone than the pixel remasters of final fantasy do the only one that's like up in the air and i think people have been arguing about this since it was released is dragon quest 8 which they for some reason released on mobile and like removes the orchestral soundtrack and a couple other things to like make it fit on the phone uh, and it just controls really strangely because you know that was a game that you're supposed to play with a dual shock on your ps2 the first time i played dragon quest 5 was on mobile and it was like great for the bulk of it there's just one puzzle that requires pushing <laughs> blocks and it is a nightmare with oh, that man. virtual joystick yeah oh god yeah i know which part you're talking about yep. sure that's yeah. <laughs> that that's where i stopped and then you know when we did the ds episode i was like oh yes oh my god this is so much better yeah uh, but if it's your only way of playing it uh which is likely i would say uh it's actually not a bad way to experience that game until and if square ever decides to release those games on on the switch uh 
I would say pick them up on mobile. They're like pretty good. Anyway, anyway, four is great. Four is really good for picking up and putting down because it's very episodic. You're just like playing as individual characters uh, and yeah. doing their little stories before they all meet up. That is actually something I'm curious what you'll think as you get deeper into six, because like you're going to see so much of chain decos in it, in that sense of like the ensemble storytelling mm. and switching perspectives. Like, you know, Tara, by all means, I would say is the protagonist of six, but like, especially early on, you switch who you're playing as very often. And even though I would say Octopath Traveler is more like Final Fantasy five in spirit, there's a moment in six without spoiling where basically like your party splits into three groups and a moogle comes out and is like who do you want to see first and you get to (laughs) choose like which story you play through first and i'm like that moment gave birth to octopath traveler Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. that like there's these characters and you can choose which order you want to see them in cool that part of the game is awesome it's also like even though it is edgier and gloomier and and heavier in a lot of ways than you know dragon quest and it's one of the i would say darker final fantasies like there is a lot of humor it has like the charm and energy of the old school final fantasies and it, it balances really well mm-hmm. i think also the presentation does add levity like because there there are some moments that are like i don't want to see remade i don't want to see like an ff7 remake version of some of the scenes in six because mm-hmm. it would just be horror yeah you know, i think i think it is like purposeful I mean, it was the extent of the technology at the time, but it actually ended up working out that it was limited in that way. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, I'd be open to seeing them revisit the story in some capacity. Well, it sounds, I mean, based on the rumors, it sounds like the next remake that's not the the part two of Final Fantasy VII is going to be nine, which I think will be interesting. Which is interesting because nine, nine is like, in some ways, also a PS1 remake of this generation of Final Fantasy. Yeah. You know, because like Seven comes out is dramatically different, but is also this like worldwide hit, even outside of the scope of games. Like I just feel like that was like a pop a culture moment, yeah. event. Yeah. And then Eight is like even more different than Seven. And so I think a lot of fans were like, you know, hey, what's going on? You know, and of, of course, when, when anything changes that dramatically, there are going to be people that like cling to the past. Nine almost felt like a tipping of the hat to the old style of Final Fantasy. Yeah, totally. So it is interesting to remake that because you kind of lose that context. It's been so long now since nine that nine has become its own form of retro. Yeah, which is kind of funny. That is silly. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for that. Nine is one of my favorites narratively and in spirit. But I, I think that's the one where I revisit. I actually like find i don't enjoy the gameplay as much as the others i just think the combat is like a little slow and not as interesting as other entries mm. so i think that's actually one where if they are able to spice up the combat in some way that could end up becoming like one of my favorite entries so i do think it actually is a good candidate for a remake despite being like already kind of one yeah as far as i i, I don't know for sure but I, I would imagine it's gonna be closer to remaster than remake which i think will just be like what you know of the game plus some quality of life stuff. So I think, I think what you're asking for is like kind of right on the money from totally just from what I, I know anyway, not to, uh, here's a slightly left turn, but still (laughs) in the realm of final fantasy. I played a final fantasy game that you don't know anything about, uh, while I was on my trip. We can end the show here. We've come full circle. Yeah. I picked up this game, I think on sale like a year or two ago, and it's just been downloaded on my switch ever since. And I, and I didn't know when or why to play it. Um, and I still don't know what compelled me to turn it on while I was on my flight home from Japan. But uh, I started playing a game called World of Final Fantasy Maxima, which uh, Maxima is the like re-release 
that happened for modern consoles, but it was originally released on the PS Vita, a game that I didn't know about when I had the Vita. But looking into the history of why this game was made, apparently it was supposed to be more like more oriented towards younger players. Like I think Final Fantasy, as those games have gone on, have become kind of like bigger, more bombastic things, which like are definitely for mostly all ages. But like, I mean, you look at something like Final Fantasy 16 and like that is definitely not a game for everybody. Decidedly mature. Yes. Yeah. In terms you know? of the content. Yeah. And I think maybe at some point the, the, the powers that be at Square started to see that happening with Final Fantasy and saying like, oh, let's let's find a way for like younger players to engage with this. And uh, made a, a game in which you play as a set of twins who wake up in a world where there's nobody except them. And they are greeted by uh, a, a strange little like Final Fantasy ass looking rabbit uh, and also a woman who just, you know, speaks in platitudes uh, at them and is like, you're destined for great things. Here's like a big portal to another world. Go enjoy yourself. And they walk through the portal and they turn into like chibi versions of themselves. And they're like, yo, what the fuck is this? And and she's like, oh, you know, this is what everybody in this world looks like. And I think if you look like your normal self, like they'd be freaked out. What I love about it, though, is that you can switch back and forth between looking like a chibi version of yourself and looking like a normal ass Final Fantasy version of yourself <laughs> at any point. And you can use it to like freak people out in the game. That's besides the point. That's um, amazing. It's really great. It's a great choice. Great choice. What I didn't know about this game when I started playing it. Uh, I mean, I didn't really know anything about it. The only thing I knew really is that it is a crossover with most Final Fantasy games that were released up until th this came out. Uh, so there are characters from like Final Fantasy X. I mean, just all of them, just all the numbered Final Fantasy games. I think it goes up to 15. I think Noctis might be in it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, if it was the Vita, that would be like right. Because the Vita, did the Vita go to 2016? I guess so. Yeah. I, right? Yeah. I don't, sort of. I don't remember for sure, but I, I believe Noctis is in the game. So I think, okay, I think yeah. it at least encompasses that. All of that said, I just assumed that it was like, oh, here's like kind of a more kid pared down version of Final Fantasy where you get to like run into all the other characters. And in my eyes, I saw it as like, here's a way to introduce kids to a bunch of characters from Final Fantasy games that they will maybe grow up and be interested in playing because they, like sure. you know, formed a bond with Cloud or something. And they're like, OK, cool. right. So what I didn't realize about this game, though, on the flip side, is that it is just Pokemon. It is a Pokemon game. It is a monster collecting and catching and battling game where you meet all of the enemies that you fight in all of the Final Fantasy games and you can capture them and then you form them into a team and you fight with them. So it's like Dragon Quest Monsters as well. Pretty much. Sense. Yeah. Yes. With the, you know, with the added uh fun of like just bumping into for example cloud or leon or whoever which is very silly the the weird thing about it though is that when you're compiling your team in this game you're not just saying like in pokemon you know you are the trainer and then you have six pokemon on your team and you can like go swap them in and out in this game you have to stack the monsters on top of your head <laughs> And it changes depending on if you're the chibi version of yourself or not. So if you if you are not the chibi version of yourself, you are a large creature and then you can stack a medium creature on top of your head and then you can stack a small creature on top of that medium creature. So you create like a totem pole of Final Fantasy characters that you're attacking with and you get to like take all of the stats of all of those characters, all the abilities of all those characters and, and you have access to all of them. So you're essentially acting as one unit, but you have all these different abilities. Other creatures can then attack 
attack you as this stack and like hit you so hard that you all fall down and then you all revert to like having your own individual stats. It's very silly and weird. I feel so strongly the next Pokemon game is going to have that as like the gimmick, <laughs> you know, like Pikachu, get on my head. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, it just gets big. Yeah. The, the flip side of this is that when you are in your chibi version, you are a medium sized creature. So you can have a small creature on top of your head, but you can also get a large creature that you can ride on top of and ride around the world with your with your large creature, which is very, very silly. So you technically get to have for each of the twins, you get to have two sets of characters or like two sets of parties. But at, at the most, you only have a couple. You have only have a couple on your on your team at any given time. I am I'm like four or five hours into this game at this point. I would say at this point, I am just getting past what is like the tutorial, which has been wow. fucking grueling. <laughs> like it has been <laughs> I like I am giving this game so much grace, so much of my time. I'm like really yeah. trying to find the fun here. And I am there is like I like what it's doing mechanically. I think like it is very pretty. It's a surprisingly pretty game. I think it's fun to run into other Final Fantasy characters. I just did a or not just a, a couple hours ago i guess at this point i did a boss fight with a bunch of the summons which was fun oh that's awesome where like you, yeah. you kind of go through a cave it's like the first like tutorial dungeon and you make your way through it and the boss fight is like three summons who are like bickering back and forth and you get to choose which of them you're gonna fight um which i ended up choosing shiva because i was like oh she's ice and i have a bunch of fire monsters on me so i was like this seems like a, a good thing but it is just pokemon in that respect like you really are just like oh fire beats ice you know whatever yeah um yeah. but I, I would just say this. If you're a person who is interested in Pokemon likes and uh, you want to play a really weird one, this is one that will be on sale <laughs> all the time. I feel like this game is always on sale. Like Square Enix is always throwing their stuff on sale on the Switch eShop. Uh, and this one will always be on sale. Definitely check it out. I think it's worth playing for real. And I will play more of it. And I'll report back when I played more of it because I'm like legitimately enjoying it a lot. Um, it just those first couple hours are pretty rough uh yeah. tutorial wise they just hit you with so much and the beginning it's funny because the first hour is like pretty smooth and there's just like a lot of cutscenes. i was like oh i'm just gonna sit back and i'm gonna watch all this stuff uh and then they kind of take the reins off and you get to play a little bit and then they just hit you with more and more tutorials as they're like here's how to stack characters on top of yourself here's how to you know change which characters you have in and out here's how to teleport to different places this is what fast travel is this is what items do this is what blah 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 you know it's just like so much but now that i'm in the story i'm like in the story it's interesting it's like legitimately interesting i think uh i think i think you in particular is somebody who's played a lot of final fantasy games i think you would enjoy the almost kingdom hearts nature of like running into everybody yes yeah i, I was gonna say i'm like a big enough fan of the series that i am sure i'd find something to enjoy about it yeah it is kingdom hearts if it was only final fantasy and the gameplay with pokemon i also want to point out i really appreciated that you inadvertently showed your kingdom hearts bias by calling squall leon in passing. oh shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like damn he just like you know you can meet a famous final fantasy character like leon <laughs> i was like wow Whoopsie. the lion heart fails yeah i get it i mean i i do it, my read on him in kingdom hearts has always been that he was embarrassed about the plot of final fantasy it's so like <laughs> just call me leon like i don't even want to don't call me squall i don't want to get compared to cloud i don't want to be i don't want to be a weather based name give me leon yeah anyway that's a that's a game i've been playing i will I what will have say, you been playing it on switch yeah i'm playing on switch hell yeah uh, it's great it's, it's good on the switch i mean it runs runs perfectly fine i have um just like so many other games that i'm excited to play on the nintendo switch i think i think probably next week's episode will be a lot of other switch games which i'm excited about yeah there, there are a few that i just started that i think we're going to talk about next week um this also reminded me that there was another uh theater rhythm game that came out this year yeah that i've been meaning to play people loved it those games rock like i 
the one on 3ds we played for our 3ds bonus and it's like surprisingly good the rpg uh, mechanics of of that game i think were the thing that surprised me the most i had no idea yeah. it was a part of it and it's like really compelling they're basically rhythm games that are you know set to the music of final fantasy which is like already it's all you kind of needed to do yeah like yeah you could just do that and it would sell well. Um, but there's like a very deep RPG on top of that. Yeah. They're awesome. I definitely want to play the new one before the year ends. The only other thing that I'll shout out is uh, I did, because I was in Japan and it was only available in Japan, I did pick up a copy of the new Boku no Natsu Yasumi game that they released oh, yeah. for the 20th anniversary of that franchise. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to play this. And, you know, just hold up like the Google lens so it'll just like translate in real time. And that that was a horrible experience. Yeah. <laughs> it was not good. Uh, it's a game you might want to learn the language for to kind of properly like, yeah, let it wash over you. What I was interested in, though, is is uh, instead of the like Resident Evil vibe of Boku no Natsuyasumi, I mean, control <laughs> wise, the fixed, yeah, the fixed, uh, fixed camera yeah. angles, tank control, yeah. like the whole deal. This is more Breath of the Wild adjacent. Like you can just run around an open world and like climb stuff oh, that's as you want, which I think is interesting. So I, I would like to play the game eventually. I don't know how I'll do that, but uh, I, I might wait until somebody writes like an English guide on GameFAQs or something, which is usually the case sure. with that kind of stuff. But anyway, starting that game and failing to play it did send me back to playing Shin Chan, me and the professor on summer vacation, which is the only one of those games that we've ever had localized, um, which I think I'll probably talk about a little bit next week. Cause... And Attack of the Friday Monsters, but that's yes, kind of a, yes. a split off. Uh, yeah. Which uh, remind me to bring that up next week also. Um, yeah, but uh, there's a lot to talk about that game because I, I talked about it a couple maybe it was last year or two years ago i talked about it on the show and i alluded yeah. to almost nothing i didn't really talk about what happens in the game i was just like this is just like a my summer vacation game except you play as shin chan i want to talk a little bit more about what happens in the game because now that cool. we've done the ds bonus and talked about attack of the friday monsters i think it adds a lot more context there's also a lot of really weird stuff in that game that just yeah. relates very deeply to my trip to japan that i want to talk about <laughs> uh, okay cool i'm really excited to hear about that so that's a little tease for next week but uh that's that's everything on my list amazing why don't we take another quick break and then i'll bring up my last game because i feel like it's it's a brutal left turn uh, <laughs> but also not one you probably don't see coming yeah uh so see you soon bye-bye brendan steven do you remember a few weeks ago when i was like ah yes i rolled credits on Baldur's gate 3 what a catharsis. I can finally move on to other games. Oh, yeah. That was great. I'm so excited to hear what other games you've moved on to. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I, I can't escape. I have played so much Baldur's Gate 3. One of the main reasons, which is why I wanted to bring it up again. This will be spoiler free. I'll give a heads up on what I'm going to talk about in a bit. Um, but the big thing I've been playing is just a lot of the multiplayer. Because, you know, it came out on, on console earlier this month. It just got released on Mac. I have a lot of friends who can finally play it that have been tortured by myself and social media just constantly being like, this game rules, this game rules, you can't play it yet. <laughs> At this point, I have now played multiplayer like in four or five different uh, like sessions uh, with different people. I also did one session with my friend Eric in person with split screen, which is so goofy and oh, I love man. it. Um, can you so import, like could Eric import their character into the game or did they have to make a new character to play? You have to make a new one. Oh, so okay. yeah. So here's, I think I might've brought up multiplayer. I can't even remember. It's this recording this month has been so like out of order that yeah. I don't even know what I've said, but I'll just say it again for those who want to know how it works. It's not entirely clear basically how multiplayer works. It's worth noting too. There isn't cross platform play. And I don't know if there are plans on making it. 
Um, so you do need to be playing on the same device, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's over the internet. But one person will make a they'll go, you go into multiplayer on the opening menu and you make you start the game as you normally would. But you choose ahead of time, like how many people are going to be joining? You know, what's the difficulty? And then you start. If you're doing split screen, you can just have them push like start on another controller and join in like Dreamcast style. And it's like someone wants to join your game and then it splits it vertically and you're both in it. Uh, And I'll say this about split screen. It is objectively the worst way to experience the game, but it works (laughs) way better than you expect it to. So like if it is like if you you know live with someone or you have a friend come over and you want to play it together like in the same room, you don't want to have to have like a LAN party set up. Mm. It does like work great for that. I just I don't think you would want to see like a lot of the game that way. Mm. But I, I, I was surprised. I expected it to be like a mess and we would have fun with it. And it like worked shockingly well. But I think the, the better multiplayer experience is just playing online because one person makes the campaign and that person also owns that save. So like I, I have one multiplayer session where I made uh, a character named Snout. He's a human Feywild warlock who looks like a bassist in like a 2000s pop punk band. Um, I love him. And uh, I've been playing with two friends of mine. They are also like in my game because we, I made the game they joined and we were playing together. So if I were to load my save... Even if they weren't playing, I would see their characters like at my camp. Um, and what's kind of fun is if I talk to them, the narrator's like, you see your friend, but they're not there behind the eyes. And it <laughs> says like, you know, it's basically like narratively justifying like them not playing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so essentially one person owns the save and everyone who's playing in a multiplayer session like can do, you don't have to stay on the same screen. So like if one person wants to go to camp or like, solo a quest you could technically do that um i do think it's better to play as a group um and you can also like choose who owns we had a party of three so like we only had room in the party for one of the companions so you choose like who controls that character in combat and what's funny is that only that character can talk to that companion when they're like paired together so like if i had a starian and someone else in my party tried to talk to him, he'd be like, I'm busy now. <laughs> but when he's at camp and he's like out of the party, anybody can talk to him. Mm. And like the characters will have separate affinity for everyone in the party. So it is like, I think if you can get the same commitment you can from like a D&D group, it would be thrilling to like see through the game with like a dedicated group of characters. What I found best, one, it just makes the game way funnier. Like, I do think you should play it single player the first time. Mm-hmm. But once you kind of have, like, a familiarity with the game, with the locations, I think playing with a group almost makes it feel more like D&D because it feels like this kind of group of misfits versus, like, the chosen one and his, and their friends, right. you know? Yeah. Um. So I think, like, if you have maybe beaten the game or you, you're playing a lot single player, like, give multiplayer a shot. I think it's, like, a really fresh way to experience the game it's also a good way to like play as a different character without like fully committing to them where it's like oh i wanted to play a druid but i don't really want to make like a druid for like a whole dedicated thing um it's a nice way to like see how the classes feel um so i've been really enjoying multiplayer and i've now seen like the op- the opening of the game and the nautiloid sh- the mind flayer ship uh in avernus has become 
my so you're finally awake i've just like done it so many times <laughs> and also if you want that hidden achievement so uh very early on in that like escape sequence there's this like who is fighting a and you can actually it's really hard because you're all level one but you can kill him and you get an, an achievement called devil in the details and you get his sword which is like wildly overpowered for the early game oh shit uh and it's significantly easier to kill him in multiplayer because it's like you're all ganging up on him ah uh, yeah so we did that um also in that sequence usually they limit you to four characters at once but because you could be playing with three or four people and you like have to get on your way out, you have all five of them in the party. So it was like all five of us against this devil. I, I'm very excited about that. But I, I just think multiplayer is like a really great way to experience the game. And, and I think that's that's what I wanted to bring to this episode. You know, we we will talk about Baldur's Gate 3 spoiler centric specifically one day, like, you know, the plot and what happens and all that. But I, I think what I'm most amazed by is like usually with games like this, even the best examples of RPGs that are choice driven and role playing driven. Usually when you replay them, like in such a short amount of time, you start to see the math of it. You know, you start to yeah, see right. like, okay, maybe this is more of an illusion of choice. Well, you know, whatever. And the opposite is true for me. Like any, like I, I have three. So I beat the game with my monk and then I made a uh, gnome sorcerer who has been more of like a leisurely playthrough. I'm also playing a good character. I'm making a lot of the same decisions, but even just deciding like, I want to be a different class and I want to like, like I have a different sense of a personality in my head. Yeah. The game has felt distinct. Like that's cool. Just, you know, I, 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 there are so many scenes I've unlocked at camp in the opening hours where I'm like, I've never seen this before. What triggered this? You know, like it just feels like the good version of quicksand where like the, <laughs> like I, I can't, the more I move, the more I see. And I'm just like this game, it can't, it, I can't believe it's real. Like, I remember you said that about Hollow Knight. We were like, there's got to be like a trick. Like, I can't believe mm -hmm. this game exists. That's how I feel about Baldur's Gate 3. I, it's just, I just love it more and more. And one thing I wanted to mention is a specific way you can play the game. So for those who don't know or need a reminder, when you start a new game of Baldur's Gate 3, whether it's multiplayer or single player, you can either make your own character. It's called a custom origin character. And I think... The opening weekend stats that Larian shared, I think 93% of players did that. And I would wager it's still around that number because like, it's the right you know, choice. Yeah. in this, yeah, <laughs> especially if it's your first time in this kind of game, like you want to make your own character, role play them however you want, choose their race, class abilities, you know, all of that. So that's like, you know, the way you should probably play it first, but they also have the ability to play as the origin characters. So Shadowheart, Astarian, Gale, Lazelle. And Carlac and Will, all these characters are like party members that can join you on your adventure in the game and have their own stories. But you can also technically play as them. So you can make any one of those characters into the main character. What I find really fascinating is that I feel like in Divinity, Original Sin 2, their last game, it almost felt like they expected you to do that more than making your own. Like yeah. I feel like they kind of wanted you to play as the Red Prince or Losa or one of them. Like I, I really think that was our recommendation, actually, when we talked about that game for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed making my own character, but it, you do feel more like a blank slate because 
because everyone else has these like wild plots that like actually matter to the main story and you're just like well I'm an elf you know (laughs) but in Baldur's Gate 3 I I think it's nice to have that option because you know I'm sure there are some players who were maybe daunted by that freedom and it's like I don't I kind of maybe I want more of a Commander Shepard where it's like I have an established backstory I have a plot that's like gonna kick in and you know it it, it kind of gives you the freedom of role playing within a little bit more of a confined boundary um and i will say like i don't know if i would ever do a full playthrough of that but there are some characters where i'm like curious if i would get more insight into their quest by doing so yeah. like i think for for whatever reason will and Shadowheart are the two characters where i'm like I think they'd be really fun to play as because there's like a lot of choice in their story and a lot of like role playing possibilities. Whereas like Carlac, I need her like as a living thing, mm-hmm. you know, that, that mm-hmm. I'm not controlling. And that's that's my big hesitation is like all the voice acting for every character is so good. You do kind of lose that when you play as them because it's not voice acted in the dialogue. Ah, right. Because you're just choosing like you do still get it in battle and in exploring, but it almost kind of like shepherdizes the character. A little <laughs> bit. Um, uh, so that's an option, too, though, which is and that's I think the beauty of, of Larian and, and of Baldur's Gate 3 is like they, you know, clearly have like an intended way but they also even more than that they want you to meet the game you know how you want to meet it yeah or play it how you want to play it so there's the custom origin and the origin there's also there's also the dark urge which is one of the origin characters but you can customize them so like this is a character that has a very set backstory and a plot that's attached to them but you can choose what they look like what their classes all the other stuff if you've been following the game you've probably seen or heard of the dark urge it's basically a version of the game where your character is this is not a spoiler it's like pitched when you choose the character yeah. uh your character is like haunted by something they don't remember who they are and they're they're constantly getting plagued with these like really terrible thoughts and this like drive to murder so i i had heard of the dark urge and i feel like if you google the dark urge it's a lot of just like youtube thumbnails of like all oh, the terrible shit that can happen is the dark urge and i just i was never that interested in it because i'm like i don't i don't need like a cruel edgelord version of this game like mm. I, i'm kind of happy to play it how i want but i kept like seeing people talk about it and be like i'm gonna do that for my next playthrough um and what really caught my eye was that it, when you play as the dark urge you don't necessarily have to be evil this is what i've heard about it exactly yeah, you, you don't have to succumb to the dark urge in fact the story might be the opposite. Exactly. And in fact, if you listen, so for all the origin characters, you can like hear them do a little monologue about their story, which I love so much. Um, so they're like, you know, I'm, I'm Shadowheart. I have this D20 that I don't know what it is, but I got to get it to Baldur's Gate. You know, <laughs> I, with, with the Dark Urge, the stand-in is like this white dragonborn with like red eyes. And his monologue, he's like panicked. He's like, I don't know what's happening to me and I need to find out. Otherwise, my story will be a tragedy written in blood. So hearing that there was like more nuance to it, or at least like you could also role play that character however you want. I made a tiefling paladin vengeance oath dark urge character. Mm. It fits perfectly. Vengeance oath paladin for, for resisting the dark urge could not be a better choice yeah. at least for what i'm going for and so i've been playing the dark urge i am about to finish act one as that character um first of all paladins are like busted they're amazing they're really fun to play as 
Two, I've just been so impressed by how much writing there is for the Dark Urge character. And this is basically my consider the dark urge section for those who, <laughs> like me, were like, eh, like I don't like this feels like it's made for like streamers to react to. Like, mm, yeah, I don't really need this. Like there is so much more dialogue and I, I don't I'm not going to say it's better. Like I, I do think like most people, especially for your first playthrough, should play as the custom origin. Um, and like really have fun like authoring your own character but for your second or third character i think the dark urge like it adds so much because what it does for me is it makes the player character have that same duality that all the other characters have you know every party member without saying too much kind of has this like very clear like actual dark path they can go down or resist and having the player character have like the most heightened version of that Mm. almost does kind of unite the party yeah what i've been so impressed by is like I'll, i'll say this about the dark urge slight spoiler if you want to go in blind go in blind but i think it's actually worth knowing this there is like a scripted murder that has to happen and it's like really upsetting. Mm. And I could see that being like enough to push some people away. Um, but it kind of has to happen because that is what like sets the story. And what I loved is that after that happened, there was a moment where it's like your character just like catches their breath and then the game gives you a chance to reflect on what happened. And there was like 12 different options for just like how did your character respond to this so like one of them was like genuinely mourn for them like you wanted to like party up with them one of them is like i will vow that this will never happen again which is what i did because i'm a tiefling vengeance of the paladin uh (laughs) then there's one that's like giggle that was kind of fun you know leaning into the evil part of it yeah so many like this game gave you 12 options for just a passing thought like that doesn't lock you into anything that was just a moment to like really think how does your character feel about this? Mm. Which is what a good DM would do is like something terrible just happened. What what's going on in your head? And what I've also been surprised by is like I the way I've been playing this character, I've been very open about, hey, just so everyone knows, I have the darker going on. <laughs> so and what what's kind of weirdly wholesome is like every character is like really committed to like getting you through it oh nice like once it like kicks in there are there's a scene i encountered where like i basically lost control of myself and i was fully like feral murderer character and another character like had bound me and tied me up and was like i know you're still in there like you're the person that helped me realize this about myself like this isn't you and it's 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 like touching. I like wasn't expecting this run of the game to be so emotional, mm. you know, because I felt I thought it was going to be like an Undertale No Mercy run. Right. Where it's yeah. just like how and, and you can have it be that. And that's the beauty of it. It's like you can lean into it and just see how bad it can get or you can really fight it. And I just I'm so committed to the idea and I'm so excited for like I trust the writing enough to know that, like, if I continue to resist and be a hero despite it all. That's going to be such a rewarding playthrough, you know, and I think that's such a big theme of the game is like some of so much of the story is about identity and about role playing and about fighting against the forces that are trying to tell you to be someone you're not. Um, And that really comes into like clear focus with with the dark urge. Like, I don't think it's like I've seen some people write like, oh, was this the original plan for the player character? And Maybe it was. We'll never know. I I am glad they made it distinct. I think like this game would not have been as mainstream of a hit if this was just like what (laughs) happened. 
but I think it's really cool. So I think, if, you know, as long as you're kind of prepared for it to get very disturbing. Also, surprisingly, the bulk of it has been pretty like dirgeless. Like it's very dirge heavy in the beginning. And then it kind of like becomes more of a normal playthrough, which is almost more nerve wracking because I don't know when it's going to happen again. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, I've just been like shocked at how much I've been enjoying the dark urge. Uh, so I, if you're if you're on the fence, I hope this kind of gives you a gentle push to consider the dirge. I'm glad you checked it out. Cause this is definitely the thing that I wanted to do when I finished the game for the first time. I, I've, I've just been so curious about the dark urge ever since I saw it in the very first time I was going through the character uh, creation screen. Uh, but I, I think, I think it's really interesting that it does sound to me like it is the most thematically appropriate thing for the player character to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's why I think a lot of people feel like it was maybe the original plan. Yeah. But I do think like, What's great about the custom origin and Tav is the sort of uh, fill in name for that character. What's great about a Tav playthrough is that like you don't feel like a blank slate. There's so much happening to your character yeah. that like you do feel like whoever you want to be, you know, mm -hmm. like you are the leader of this party, you know, and you are the guiding force. I just think uh, it's nice that there's like a middle ground between that, like playing as, you know, Carlac playing as a fully custom character and then the darker just kind of like right in the middle totally i will say too to kind of cheese the game a bit you get a custom background in the dark urge called the haunted one i'm getting inspiration constantly <laughs> from that background because you get it whenever you either succumb to the urge or resist it ah. so it's just like constantly at five Is resisting just like dice rolls or are you choosing to resist that's a good question so you do get some unique items every now and then throughout the playthrough. I won't say why, but I just got a cloak that lets me turn invisible whenever I kill an enemy. Oh, uh, which I immediately gave to Astarian, and now he's like a true monster. Yeah. He's unstoppable. But basically, usually it's like either a dialogue choice. So one of the ones that is like kind of famous early on when you meet Gale for the first time. Yeah, one of the one of the unique dirge options is like imagine but then you end up actually doing that and he doesn't join the party but you get in your inventory <laughs> i didn't mention this but when i started my second character uh charlie yeah uh i failed every single roll of the day uh, the dice to save gail and that is what happened <laughs> just like in my normal playthrough and that was the only time that i was like i gotta just start over i'm not gonna just start the game without gail yeah gail's awesome i feel like he had a mixed reception early on truly due to a bug that made him too clingy and like <laughs> now that he's been patched people realize how great he is mm. i love them all they're all they're all my family uh but <laughs> um yeah so usually it's either a dialogue choice or it's like you gotta roll against this yeah more often than not it's a conscious choice uh, and what's creepy, though, what really gets to me is like every now and then there's a unique narration. So like, you know, there will be a moment and then the, na the narrator will be like, like, nothing's better than like a quick murder by the sea. Or something. <laughs> and then you're like, no. And you see your character like smiling evilly. You're like, no, not now. It's great. It's really fun. I think there's also something to be said about like going in completely blind on your first playthrough but that's like that's for a truly chaotic soul um i think and i mean that as as, as a cautious compliment my partner hasn't started playing this game yet and i i bet i will bet five united states dollars that she's gonna pick the dark urge <laughs> i mean it's it's good i like the dirge that's what this section is about uh and i i will you know if we if 
eventually when we do an episode about this game, I will try to see that playthrough through because mm. I, I really want to see what happens. Um, so yeah, that's that's my uh, possibly last spoiler-free update on Baldur's Gate 3. Wow. Thanks for taking this journey with we'll me. We'll see, yeah. We'll see you next week. So I made a gnome again. Um, <laughs> Did you pick up Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 for the Switch yet? I have, not on Switch, I do have Baldur's Gate 2 on my Steam Deck. Ah, okay. I do want to play them. Uh, I, I know it's like a pretty significant, like change in structure and actually that's i'm pretty sure bioware made the first two games it's like classic bioware mm. which is interesting because a lot of people are yeah, like i think i think you're right yeah it's it's funny because people were saying like larian has picked up the you know mass effect dragon age baton even though the series was bioware yeah <laughs> um but i think that's also the beauty of it is like it is in the forgotten realms it is set in D D, but it feels so much like divinity in a good way yeah like it does feel like larian's take on that material right but yeah that's that's that just i wanted to bring up the multiplayer and the dirge if you like me have already finished the game but you can't stop playing it consider your options consider the dirge consider the dirge that's it brendan that's it baby i hope i don't give you nightmares tonight by by bringing up the dirge so close to your rest i'm having totally different nightmares steven <laughs> I'm, don't worry i got no i got no room for more nightmares well, that's reassuring. <laughs> that is a lie. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing just fine. <laughs> Hell yeah. Why don't we wrap up unless you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's a good idea. I'm uh, proud of myself for making it all the way through. Proud, proud of you for considering the dirge. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's an honor to be here. Uh, hey, we're going to wrap up. You know the drill. Into the cast that online. Uh, if you like the show and you want to help us grow, share with a friend. Review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also support us on Patreon. Links to the Patreon on into the cast at online that's it thank you so much we love you happy to be back uh i'm excited to be on the same frequency as you <laughs> and uh i also am really excited for next week i think we got a, a already like a pretty stacked lineup yeah which is a nice feeling yeah there's so much stuff to talk about and there's so much stuff yeah. that i'm just like hovering over starting on the switch and deciding yeah. i'm going to or not uh which is fun they only ported the dirge to switch <laughs> you can only play as the dirge that would still be one of the best games of the year <laughs> <laughs> on that note bye-bye bye everybody Garbage. The online.